Hello, fellow survivors. I'm currently waiting with the cart with Jihoon while Scout took Elliot hunting and not me. I'm not bitter. I'm just feeling... There's got to be some German word for feeling left out, but that's what I'm feeling. I asked Scout, point blank, why she never asked me. She usually goes with Jihoon, but Jihoon was feeling too tired, and so she went to Elliot, and I just wanted to know why. And she said, chicken, if I needed to talk a squirrel down from the edge, I'd know who to ask. Ouch. Way to put the brutal in brutal honesty. But she is right. I wouldn't be much help. The last time I tried to use one of her axes, it just bounced off the tree like the tree went, nah, and it just didn't even sink in an inch. And Elliot at least knows how to make some traps, so... Uh, but, uh, you know, I can, I can swing a croquet mallet with the best of them, whoever them is, and I... What happened? Update. Elliot walked into a telephone pole, stepped back, stepped on a nail, and fell down. I could have done that! Come on! This is the After Disaster Broadcast, created by J.J. Ranvier. Joe Prendergast here with another update. I've gotten lucky. The town we're going into doesn't seem to have been wrecked by the men, but we're still hoping against hopelessness that we can somehow find something to fix up Elliot with. Since they're enough of a cartoon character that they did something like, I don't know, walk into a pole? But not enough of one to bounce back and not get injured. So we need some help. Scout's got the medical skills of... Someone who quit Girl Scouts at Brownie, and Jian's got basic first aid, and I know CPR? Still? Guess that counts? Though, hmm, <laughs> only till someone pukes, because then I'm done. Thankfully, oh, ugh, that feels weird to say about someone who is injured, but I mean, it could be worse. Ellie just can't walk very well right now. They keep saying sorry for slowing us down as if they walked into the pole on purpose to inconvenience us. So we keep saying don't say sorry, and so they say sorry for saying sorry, but anyway, I think the only way to end a cycle is we find something like a crutch or something in town so they can walk better and not feel so bad, and... Oh, dear. Oh, dear! Oh, whoa! Well, is gonna be happy. She loves... Nothing more than a good mission. I also may have slipped up and said that to her, and thankfully she didn't burn me alive, but she gave me her classic stern look and was like, I just enjoy having an objective. Yeah, and I also bet she planned her own surprise birthday party at some point. 
Ooh, though I think I'd need a couple of drinks before uh, asking her about that theory. Anyway, our mission, that we have no choice but to accept it, is to get into town and look for some sort of pharmacy or whatever sort of place might have some crutches. Simple enough, right? Town's not destroyed at all, just the normal amount of decay. But this one, the reason that might be, it's totally overrun by deer. So many deer. A... What's the weird word for a group of deer? I should ask library nerd. In any case, a clusterfuck of deer. Doesn't sound terrifying, in theory, right? But those things will kick you in your face. And what's worse than something that will kick you in your face? Something angry and mutated that will kick you in your face. Something has made these animals sick. They're all stiff-legged and swollen joints and... Uh, Elliot is just full of sympathy, about ready to limp off to the library and try and find a cure. And Jean is treating them like an enemy in a video game and figuring out ways to... Uh, take them out if necessary. And Scout... Well... Scout was like, deer are deer. They have their own hunting season for a reason. Which is a problem. Because most people aren't afraid of things that they eat on a regular basis. I'm definitely not afraid of potatoes or cheese or croissants. I guess I used to eat those things. I'm a little afraid of MREs. But either way, Scout was totally not afraid of the deer... You know, the ones with the eyes so big it looks like they personally witnessed the volcano eruption? But you know, nothing to be afraid of. No problem. But say it with me, folks. Paranoia is a necessary precaution in the apocalypse. I should make an acronym for that. Anyway, Scout's motto, on the other hand, is fight now, strategize later. So she went sprinting past a group of deer towards what looked like some sort of small town pharmacy and then came sprinting back when a bunch of them reared up, legs kicking, and started swarming? Can deer swarm? Anyway, these mofos figured it out, and Scout was so freaked out that she didn't even try and fight them all off with her axe. And when she got back to us, she was letting out a stream of curses that I don't think ever made it past the Mason-Dixon line. Jean just gave a little bit of a half-smile and said, Well done. I think she likes being right. It would be funnier if Elliot wasn't in real trouble. God, I'm glad not to be living in a crappy action movie. At this point, the male lead would have already had some serious and heartless discussion about leaving them behind. But Fidelitas Amichisuke, it seems to have not even crossed Jihan's mind. Because, let's be real, my short legs and even shorter stamina would have gotten me left behind ages ago. Personal update? I'm hanging back with Elliot while the others are preparing to go into town. And by preparing, I mean Scout has been swinging her axes into a tree while yelling, take that Bambi and your mom too. I think she's feeling a little uh, embarrassed about losing to a bunch of woodland creatures. June has just spent the past hour staring at the town like the power of her glare might forge a fiery path to the pharmacy. Elliot's currently taking a nap. 
You know they're not doing 100% when they haven't asked about looking for a library yet. Though, I'm super impressed that they were doing well enough earlier to help with the mission planning. Like, thinking of some booby traps. Like, it's it's pretty complicated, but it involves mace to the face if they get too close, but an air horn to distract them. But also, like, some, some trip wire to corral them. I, I, I would have to draw you a diagram, because... Elliot had draws a diagram. That should be enough to get past the demon deer. Okay, they're not... They're not demons. Demons are a bit less kick you in the face and more ask for your soul in a spooky voice. But they... they I, I still don't want to mess with them. Right. Anyway, after we wrapped up planning, Elliot cracked a joke about this not even being close to their worst injury that they've ever gotten. I mean, I'd hope not. It's just a puncture wound. But they were a bit out of it, so they started rambling about what their worst injury was, and from the sound of it, they're pretty accident-prone. Seriously, like, everything from sliding down a hill face first to sewing through their finger on an industrial sewing machine. Whew. The worst was, and, and if, like, anyone else had told me it, I might not believe them, but... They had been sledding down a hill, slid right under a car, but got up right afterwards and went home. Woke up next day still a little bit in pain, so they went to the doctor and found out they had broken their neck and had no idea. I did. I think I have appendicitis every time I have a UTI. Like, how? How? And, of course, after the broken neck story, who comes along but the redneck, of course. She said she had nearly broken her nose the first time she shot a gun. It kicked back and hit her right in the face. Then, of course, we get to the stories about her cousins, who almost die. Because there's a lot of cousins and a lot of stories about them almost dying. But we never care about whether or not they're real, and we especially didn't care this time. We were just wheeze laughing about this story. The two of them supposedly tried to illegally smuggle some deer antlers out of a state park in a raft. A rubber blow-up raft. Yeah, that raft lost the fight to the deer antlers and the cousins almost didn't make it. I was trying to think of mine, my own personal story, and I realized all of mine involved food? I think all of them? There was that... Anyway... But Jihoon came back in the middle of it, and we asked her what her story was, and she answered, Injuries are bragging about weakness. Okay, Buzzkill. But she came back a few seconds later to say how she almost got sucked into an airplane jet engine during a hazing incident. We tried to ask her more questions, but she just heavily emphasized almost. Update? Um... Um, crap. Uh, uh, Scout and June didn't take the walkie-talkies with them because it disrupted the ability for the booby trap to work, and they're on the mission, and, and Elliot's injury just got worse. Much worse. I don't know, if you are listening to this and you know anything about medical stuff, please, please respond. It's, it's really bad news. They were, uh, they were hobbling around on some, uh, on some crutches that that Scout had made for them, but they were falling apart already, and I so we needed real crutches. And anyway, anyway, 
out of nowhere they just fell down in pain and then and then passed out i i really hope the others come back soon i i mean maybe maybe we can find a hospital nearby or or oh oh god what if what if the zombie deer got them i mean this this would be the time for some deus ex monsterina and Rice, I that's it's gotta it's gotta be the deer, right? That's what deer sound like. Even the creepy ones, right? Oh god, I made zombies manifest. I have been thinking about French fries non-stop for three hours, but I mentioned zombies once and Okay, okay. You know what? I gotta do the cliche. Time to scream for help. Ha! Personal update. Scout showed up, heard it, and laughed at me. They're foxes. Making mating noises. I can't believe I was scared by a bunch of horny foxes. Awesome. Though, enough about me. What actually is awesome is Elliot isn't going to die. Well, we're all gonna die eventually, but no one is dying today. Their foot is a bit infected, but it wasn't the reason they passed out. The reason, the reason, the cliche reason, they got their period. Because, of course, they got their period in a melodramatic, painful way, and for them, it was less the pain of the cramps, but more the shock of getting their first period in over a year. They'd been on testosterone for a while and ran out not long after we met them. What's surprising is, instead of it causing dysphoria, at least for the moment, it's motivating them to knit some reusable pads! For all of us! Nice of them! No more diapers, no more rags, we're gonna have some knitted pads. Ah! And of course, of course, we'll be there in any way possible should the dysphoria start to hit. Hmm. Location update? Just when I have had my fill of terrifying animals, we found an area that is strangely animal-free. I'm trying not to question a good thing. See, we were traveling down the highway a bit to see if we could find a hospital by the road when we found it. Deer clear and fox-free. Scout is insisting that we don't need no stinking hospital because the cure for any physical ailment is to suck it up. Seriously, former social worker? Anyway, she's still taking me, not Jihun, for a mission, because Gian is the best person to stay in case Elliot does get worse, but I'm gonna pretend I'm qualified. Holy farking ballistics. I feel like such a bad but booty. Okay, a badass wouldn't say any of those things, so clearly I've earned this title. But you know what? It feels like I farking did, because I got to help with storming the castle, also known as St. Augustine's Sacred Hospital of the Apocalypse, or whatever the sign probably used to say. 
We still went into the area. Air horns and mace and whatever we could use for last-minute traps at the ready, but no swarming deer, and I try not to question a good thing, like wondering if I really am the millionth visitor to a website, or that I want an iPhone, or internet announcing that my favorite lesbian celebrity is single again. But this time, I just followed Scout's lead and went in headstrong, storming down those linoleum hallways, pushing stretchers and gurneys and not caring what the difference is. And we get to the end of the hallway in the sacred heart of End of the World Survivors Hospital. And it's a, well, more rundown than we hoped. Though if it had been mysteriously pristine and well-maintained, I think I'd have been even more suspicious. I got to had to have my croquet mallet cocked and ready as I followed behind Scout and hoped her axes would take care of everything and anything that we'd have to take down. The only real take down was some wooden doors that were in the way and some that were just for fun. The pharmacy was, of course, pretty well rated. Scout started swearing as she tends to about anything, but I started crawling around on my hands and knees, remembering all those times I'd lost antibiotic bottles and anxiety meds to them rolling underneath things, and lo and behold, I found one lone bottle of Azathor... Azimov... Okay, whatever. Either way, hopefully it will do the trick. Just like how in the movies you can get blood transfusion from anyone and it will totally work, this will be fine. Now I'm just waiting outside while Scout gets bored of jumping on the gurney and rolling down the hallways. Then maybe I should go back inside and take her up on the offer of doing gurney races. Oh! Oh. There's a sign for a horse racing track. A chariot horse racing track? Scout! Scout! Oh my god, we have to check it out. This is way better than gurneys! Okay... I, I wish we hadn't checked out the track. I thought I maybe should have known we'd find some creepy animals. I don't know why I thought we would find anything besides dead animals with it being more silent than Silent Hill in this area of town. I guess I just thought maybe if there was some horses that one could pull Elliot along until he felt better, and then we used to pull our stuff, and I just... Nope. Now we know why the animals were so hostile. Why they were avoiding this area in particular, I think. The rest of the town wasn't destroyed because it was all isolated to here. But it's not the usual modus operandi Horses here, they didn't all die, not initially. Someone had been keeping them alive, and someone or someone's came through and slaughtered the caretaker and the horses with them. Someone who left the message, Moors to a Fita Mia, and below that, Joe Prendergast. I'll catch you on the next frequency. Joe out.
Thank you for listening to the After Disaster broadcast. This was written and produced by J.J. Ronvier. The voice of Joe Prendergast is J.J. Ronvier. The outro person is me, Caitlin Robb. Our audio editor is Rory Strongmock. Enjoyed the podcast? So did we. Subscribe to keep listening to us and leave us a nice review on iTunes. It really helps. In return, email us at theafterdisasterbroadcast at gmail.com that you did, and we will send you one of our red stickers as a thank you. It's totally a bribe. Please let us bribe you. As extra encouragement, we started reading out some of our favorite reviews. Here's a five-star review from L.D. Alvarez. J.J. Ronvier plays an amazing and relatable survivor, Joe, who is nervously surviving an ecological disaster along with two very interesting fellow lady survivors. Let's just say that every post-apocalyptic story should have more menstrual-centered episodes. What can I say? I have basic needs in my sci-fi audio drama. To support Joe and her journey to Chicago, please check us out at patreon.com slash theafterdisasterbroadcast where you can get bonus content for supporting us with your money. For more on the broadcast and surviving the apocalypse, check us out on Twitter at AfterDisasterBC or on any media that makes you feel social in this wasteland. And now, we leave you with this. Survival tip. Attacked by a shark? Hug its nose to help it with the loneliness that made it lash out in the first place. This podcast has been produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or facebook.com slash nerdalogs. Thanks for listening.